get you fired up on a rainy day, won't it? I told our team we made a mistake. We bragged on the sun too much last Sunday. And it said, I'll show y'all. I'll stay out all day for this Sunday. But you know what? There'll be a day we'll be asking for rain, right? You know, so uh, we lived in Austin, Texas for a long time, 10 years. And our pastor there would always say, never complain about Austin rain. And so I'll say the same thing to us. It's going to be a pretty, pretty spring, right? So you got to look on the bright side. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to look on the bright side. Quit being so gloomy. Well, my name is John, and I'm the pastor here at the Hills, and uh, I'm honored to be so. And I'm glad you're here today. If you're a first-time guest, we're glad that you're with us. Glad to have our folks back from Hawaii on a missions trip. Man, that's a... I know people have made fun of y'all going on a missions trip to Hawaii, but it really was. So we're glad you guys are back. We are in a series called Heirloom, where we are talking about leaving a legacy, leaving, living a life so that we can leave a legacy. An heirloom is something that probably most of you have in your home, something that has been passed down to you. Uh, An heirloom, uh, by definition, is that something of value that's been passed down from a previous generation. I think it's time for all of us to begin to look at our life and begin to evaluate what kind of legacy are we going to leave. So this series really has, has, has two purposes. One is to really encourage you as an individual, as a believer of Jesus, to think about the legacy that you're going to leave. What are you going to pass down to the next generation? And something we said last week is the life that you live will be the legacy that you leave. So don't wait until you're 50, 60, 70 to start thinking about your legacy. You're writing your legacy right now. The decisions that you make, the choices that you make. So begin thinking about your legacy right now. And then the second purpose of this series is as a church, we are now seven years old and we want to start thinking about our next 70 years. What is the legacy that we're going to leave? When we pass it on to the next generation, how are we going to hand it to them? What is the shape of our church going to be? The condition of our church, the condition of our reputation as a church, the mark that we want to leave on this city. We want to move from being a good church to being a great church. Because we're a good church now, I'm thankful for us, but I want to see us move to being a great church. And a great church is full of great people doing great things together. Amen? How many want to be a great church? The rest of y'all are happy with good, or do you like bad? Because I can tell you some places that are bad, all right? Come on, a great church. Psalm 78 and 3 says, we're not keeping this to ourselves. We're not keeping this. You got that scripture? Psalm 78, 3, is it there? Should be the next slide. Is it working? Computer freezing up? There we go. We are not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things that he has done. We want to pass something great on to our next. Whatever our next is, if that's the next generation, if that's your kids, whatever that is, whatever your next is, Make sure that we're passing something great. I want to reiterate a few things from last week, and then we're going to dive in a little deeper, unpack some of that. First of all, a legacy is about living selflessly. So taking notes, write that down. Legacy is about living selflessly. 
There is no better way. How many want to live a selfish life? Selfish, I said. Gotcha. You weren't listening. Gotcha, Gwen. Gwen and Eve, both of y'all. My two best A manners. <laughs> oh, Lord, we're all in trouble if I got Gwen and Eve at the same time. Bring that point up for me. Do you have that slide? Legacy is about living selflessly, all right? I want to make sure people see that. If you're taking notes, make sure you're writing this down. So how many of you want to live a selfish life? No. How many would like to live a selfless life? Come on, wouldn't that be our desire? Well, let me give you the greatest way to live a selfless life. There's no better way to combat selfishness than serving. No greater way to combat a selfish life than to have the heart of a servant. Let me give you another tip. The best option in any situation is to serve. It's always the best option. If you don't know what to do, if you're in a weird situation, it's awkward, there's some meanness going on, there's some tension going on, best option, serve. Turn the other cheek. Make the right choice. A soft answer turns away wrath. Come on, how many of you husbands wish you'd have known that last night? How many of you spouses wish you would have obeyed that this week sometime? You're like, man, if I would have just, yes, baby, I love you so very much. You are right. Those are, I find those are the greatest words you can ever say. And not, all right, you're right. No, not that one. Like, you are right, baby. Look me in the eyes. You are correct, okay? <laughs> Serving. I want to encourage you to serve your spouse. Think of ways that you can serve your spouse, not ways you can figure out a way that they can serve your needs. How can you serve your spouse? Parents, are you serving your children? Do you serve your coworkers? I'm just getting quiet now. Do you serve your teammates? Do you serve those that you teach, those that you coach? Do you serve your neighbors? Do you serve your enemies? That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbors. I'm about to take it another level. He said, love your enemies. See, everything with Jesus always takes it deeper and stronger, right? Just the way it is. So the best option in any situation. So you're coming into something new. You're walking into a new, how many are walking into something new in your life? It's, it's a new, you're walking into it. The best way to enter any new thing is to walk in as a servant. It's what Jesus did. He shows up. How does he show up? As a baby in a manger. And he says this, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So every new thing you walk into, walk into it serving. It is the greatest way to defeat a selfish life. In a family, what makes a family work? Everybody doing their part. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, the tension happens when sister's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. And that doesn't matter if you're, you're toddlers or if you're, if, if, if you're 40 years old. The tension happens when some of the family is not pulling their weight. Is that right? I mean, that's what makes a family work. That's what makes a home operate. Well, let me just give you a little push today. If the hills is your church home, I want to encourage you, I want to implore you to find a place to serve at the church you call home. Oh, I switched that one on you. I thought you were going to talk to my kids about taking the trash out. No, I want to talk to you about the church that you call home, and yet you are allowing other people to do all the work. 
And today our staging team showed up and there were three of them that couldn't make it. Or three of them that didn't make it. They weren't here. And so our staging team had to rally around and get all this ready for you today. If you're looking for a place to serve, I really don't know. I'm going to show you. Show up right here on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. We got a spot for you, okay? We need an outdoor host team. We need parking attendants. How many love driving in and seeing a smiling face and an umbrella? How many love that? Don't you love it? What if you were a first-time guest? Would you love that? That's what we want. So I want to encourage you today. If you're not serving somewhere, at the end of this service, go to our next steps area and say, I want you to put me in coach. I want to serve. I want to be a part of making this family work, this homework. I'm, I wore a tie today because I knew I was going to preach today, yeah? Come on, we need to hear this. We got to get ready for Easter. Easter, there will be over a 1,000 people at this church. Did you know that? That's what will happen, Easter. Over a 1,000 people will be here for Easter. We got to get ready for them. So I want to encourage you to do something. What, what if you just considered serving this spring? Just say, I'm going to serve this spring. I'm going to help all the way through Easter. And Easter, I'm going to be here. We, we, need, we, need, we need people serving coffee. We need people helping with our kids. We need, if you want to be a safety team, we've got a medical team that we're starting right now. If you want to be a part of that, let us know. Today, make a commitment. Dive in and serve. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. That wasn't loud enough. I'm disappointed. Remember, what makes a family work if everybody pulls their part? And I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing you can do is serve in the house of God. There's no better place to serve. Well, I serve for different nonprofits. That's awesome. I, that, it's great that you do that. There's no better place to serve in, than in God's house. David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. That's, I would rather start right there. And by the way, that wasn't an usher. If you want to know what the doorkeeper was, we can talk about that later. It was gross and nasty, okay? Y'all want to know what it was? Raise your hand if you want to know what the doorkeeper was. Well, you, it was, uh, the house of God was for Jews only, okay? They didn't allow Gentiles in. You know how you tell a male Gentile and Jew, right? Circumcision. So that's what the doorkeeper did. Yeah, all right. Okay, you're welcome. You can come right in. So when King David said, I would rather be the lowest job in the house of God. Come on, you didn't know you were going to get that wisdom today, did you? (laughs) Legacy is about living selflessly. Come on, give me a good amen. Amen. Number two, legacy is about giving generously. Let me just make a statement to you. Every believer should be a giver. It's just simple. Every believer should be a giver. Matter of fact, we should never even have to talk about giving to believers. I should never need to take a Sunday and preach on giving for believers. The only time I should ever preach on giving is for folks that don't know about it. Because the gospel, giving is the essence of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he... He gave what? His one and only son. Not the one he didn't like. The only one he's got. 
His best, his chosen one, he gave his greatest one that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Once we understand the grace of the gospel, giving should be a natural response. So if you are not a giver, I need you to relook at your revelation of the gospel. If giving comes hard for you, you need to get back into the Word of God and have a real revelation of the gospel of grace. He gave, so we give. He served, so we serve. That's how it works. And not just giving, giving like he gave. He didn't give a little, he gave everything. If we want to be like our Father, we must give like our Father. And then he gave generously. He didn't just give generously, he gives generously. How many of you have, been, have had his grace just shed upon you this week? Aren't you glad that his mercies were made new every single morning this week? And they didn't say, well, I shed my blood for you one time, you messed up this week, too bad, you're gone. No, he continues to give and give and lavish his love upon us. Say this with me, I am most like my father when I give generously. You want to be like Jesus? Be a generous giver. You want to be like our Heavenly Father? Be a generous giver. Let's talk about giving generously. I want to talk, give you some ways to help you. Because there are some people that come to us and go, man, it's just not natural for me. And, and some people feel guilty about it. Uh, some people have a gift of giving. It's just what they do. And some people were raised with a, with a model of giving. You had someone in your life that taught you how to give. Others of you were raised, you pinch every penny. You scrunt, you, what's the word? Scrounge. Scrounge. Scrooge. Yeah. You're taught, I work for this, I'm going to hold on to this, you know. And most people that are wealthy are wealthy because they learned how to do that. They learned how not just to get money, but how not to spend their money. And, And so it becomes this mindset of holding on to it. And so generosity has to become taught. So I want to teach you about how to be a generous person. How many want to receive that today? All right. So first of all, giving generously means making it a priority. Giving generously means making it a priority. Generosity will not happen unless it is a priority. You hear what I'm saying? You're just not going to be a generous person if you don't make it a priority in your life. And here's what I've learned. I've learned anything in my world, if it's a priority, I'm going to do it. (laughs) If it's a priority, if I really want it, I'm going to do it. The word, when you look at the word priority, excuse me, what it really means is first. It means I'm going to take something and I'm going to put it at the top of my list. How many have that thing on your to-do list that just keep getting pushed down the road, pushed down? How many? You know why? I just told you. It's not a priority. I'll go to the dentist later, you know. I'll start doing that later. I'll do this. And you just push it on down the road. It's not a priority. But if you take that, you put it to the top of your to-do list, you put about 17 exclamation marks by it, you put a reminder on it, you know. It bling, bling, bling. It becomes this priority to you. And you're like, I'm going to get this done. The best way to make giving a priority is for it to be the first transaction you make every pay cycle. 
It's just that simple. If you want to make giving a priority, generosity a priority, make it the first transaction that you make every pay cycle. So if you write a check, that's the first check you write. If it's auto-drafted in or you're sending things out, it's the first thing that you do. It's the first thing that comes out. No matter if you do it online or by cash, whatever it is, that becomes the first transaction that you make before the mortgage, before the bills, before groceries, before clothes, before savings. As soon as the paycheck is deposited, that's the first thing that goes out. I mean, you want to know how to be generous. I'm telling you how to be generous. So this not only ensures that you will guard generosity as a priority, when you write that first check, it not only ensures that you're making it a priority, but it's also a symbolic way of you being reminded where your hope lies. Amen? Once I say, God, here you go, tithes, offerings, legacy fund, this is going to you. As soon as I do that, that's my way of saying, I trust you, God. You are my source, not just a resource. Everything I have comes from you. Matthew says this, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you will seek him first, put him first, make it a priority, everything. If you read that passage, he's talking about all the stuff that we spend money on, all the stuff that we worry and fret and stress about our clothes and where we're going to live and what we're going to eat. He said, if you will put my kingdom first, everything else will be added to you as well. The tithe, the tithe is also known as the first fruit. We talked about tithing last week. Everybody say tithe. Tithe. We talk about the word tithe. It means 10%, but it also means the first fruit. And the reason the word first fruit is used is because tithing was something that happened before they traded with money. Back then, they had fruits and vegetables, they had crops, and they had livestock. That's what they traded, or they labored for one another. That's how, that's how things happen. Okay, you give me that, I'll give you this. And so the first fruits, what that means is, the Bible would say, as soon as that mama gives its very first calf, very first, you take it to the house of God. With absolutely no promise that she's ever going to have another one. Now, that's different, isn't it? Because you and I can write a check and still see what's left over. But when you take your first fruit off of that apple tree and you take that harvest to the house of God and say, Here, there's no promise that that tree is ever going to produce any more fruit. That's the power of the tithe. It's about trusting God. It's saying, I'm going to give first. I'm going to take first and give it to you. Making generosity a priority requires trust. Amen? And let me tell you a little secret. Trust is the most powerful aspect of faith. We all can say, I believe, yeah, but do you believe enough to do something about it? I believe you, Lord, but do you trust me? I want to encourage you today. Make generosity a priority. Number two, to be a generous person, you have, to, you have to make generosity. Giving generously requires intentionality. So giving generously requires making it a priority, and giving generously requires intentionality. You done writing? Listen to me. You do not give by mistake. Oh, I just messed up and gave. 
You don't do it. You must decide to be generous. You hear what I'm saying? We want to make this thing romantic, like, ah, oh, romance, I'm giving away. Right? Some of you older folks will know even romance has got to be planned. Amen? You've got to think through some stuff. It's this thing. It's like, I want to be generous. Okay? Make it a priority and become intentional about it. Start thinking right now about the lifestyle of generosity that you want to leave. You must decide to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You decide to be generous. Let me tell you another little thing that I found out. Giving is a learned behavior. Babies are not generous. You ever know that? They do not. They do not show up givers. Amen? They show up, gimme, 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 gimme. I want food. I want milk. I want you. I want you to be awake. I want your sleep. I want everything you have. I want your attention, me. Any bleary-eyed parents saying amen right now, yeah? Why? Because it's just not natural for us. So generosity is a sign of spiritual maturity. Did you hear what I said? So if you are not becoming a more generous person as you grow with God, I question how much you're growing with God. I didn't question your salvation. I question your growth in your faith with God. Oh, man. So how do we make our generosity intentional? Number one, believe his word. I want to make my generosity, I want to be a generous person. How do I do that? Number one, I'm going to give you a checklist. Believe his word. Do you believe the word of God? Come on, do you believe this? Well, you can't believe some of it. You can't pick and choose. It doesn't come in sections. It does come in sections, but that's only for us to read it easier. Okay? Maybe you just, you don't, it, it's all of it. It's, it's, I believe it. I believe the word of God. You, you, can't, you can't pick the part about reaping and not pick the part about sowing. I want the harvest. I want the blessings. But are you willing to be, be, make it a priority and be intentional about it? So number one, believe his word. Number two, obey his word. Again, big difference. And I believe, okay, what are you going to do about it? James said, if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, nothing changes. It's like someone looking in the mirror and saying, boy, I've got a big blemish right here, but walking away and not doing anything about it. Nothing, just keeping it there, and it just grows into this big, big festering sword. It's like, that's what reading the word of God and not doing what it tells you to do is like. So don't expect life change if you're not believing it and then believing it enough that you obey it. Believe and obey. I did, an end, I did about a year-long series one time called Hear, Do. That was it. That was the series. We did it. Hear, do. Hear the word, do the word. If we would just do that, our life would be a lot easier and a lot simpler. So number one, believe his word. Number two, obey his word. Number three, trust God. We touched on this a moment ago. Trust him. Remember that God is your source. He gave you what you have. And let me tell you something else. He wants what's best for you. 
He does not want you to give so that you get in debt and in trouble. He wants you to give to break the stinginess and greed off of you. He doesn't need you to give. You and I need to give. So trust God. Come on, do you believe that he's a heavenly father that reaches out for you and loves you? How many believe that? Then why would we worry about what we give him at the beginning? Trust him. Here's my fishes and loaves. It's all I got. Good boy, you're going to take a basket home to your mom, okay? Matter of fact, there's 12 baskets. Little boy, can you carry those home? And yet we worry about it. Number four, make a commitment to be generous. How do you make your generosity intentional? Make a commitment to be generous. And by, by commitment, I want to take it a, a step further. I don't, don't say, I promise I'm going to. I would love to see you make a covenant. Make a covenant with God that you're going to be a generous person. Make a pledge. We're going to be handing the, we're going to talk about these in just a moment. Make a pledge. Write it down. Tell someone about it. Be accountable to someone else that can look to you and go, how's your generosity going? Are you, a gener- are you more generous than you were last year? And again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about with our love, with our joy, with our peace, with our forgiveness, all of that. Are, are you being more, make a commitment to be generous. And then number five, now this one's powerful. Begin giving. How do I make my generosity intentional? Begin giving. I want to say it like this. I wrote this down. I love this. The best way to start is somewhere. I I made that up too. I think that's pretty good. The best way to start is somewhere, no matter what it is. Don't wait until you get money to give. Because I'm going to talk to you about next week. It is a proven fact that people that make the most money give the least. Now, I'm not talking about in our church. I'm talking about overall, across America. The people that make the most give the least. We're going to be talking about that next week. You're like, yeah, I knew it. (laughs) Don't wait till you make money to be a giver. Tell your neighbor, say, you can't hide money. I see it all over you. One of my favorite stories growing up, I shared at our noon service last week. Don't want to leave you all out, okay? These two guys, two, I was raised in Mississippi, so I'll make fun of Mississippi, okay? The, the, these two, two, two farmers were, were walking along one day. We'll call one Clyde and the other one Earl Ray, okay? That's literally relatives of mine, by the way. Clyde and Earl Ray are walking down the road, and, and Earl Ray looks at Clyde, and he goes, Clyde? If you had two tractors, would you give me one? And he says, man, you know, you're my best friend. You know I'd give you one of my tractors. Man, thanks. Awesome. I love you. I love you too, man. They walked a little further, and Earl Ray said, hey, Clyde, man, if you had two houses, would you you give me one? Man, you know I would give. You're my best buddy. You know I would give you one of my houses if I had two houses. They walked a little further, and Earl Ray said, hey, Clyde, If you had two hogs, man, you know I got two hogs. Man, if I just won the lottery, 
If I just got that promotion, if I just got a raise, if I could just get out of debt, if I could, if I could, if I could. I want to eradicate I would if I could because all of us can. Now, look, for some of you, when we say 10%, you go, oh, my God. Well, start somewhere. Start at five. Start at one. Start at seven. Start somewhere giving something. But to those of you that know, you know that God's blessed you and you know that it's time for you to step into something greater. I want to encourage you today to make giving a priority and make giving intentional in your life. And when that happens, you're going to see God open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessings on you that you cannot even contain. Come on, how many received this word this morning? Amen. Kind of, a little golf clap, a little rainy golf clap. It's like, eh. That's a golf clap on a rainy day. Ain't much gallery there. It's like two people, oh, you're good. Way to go. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about strategy. So today we talked about you got to make giving generosity a priority. you gotta, you got to make it, uh, make, it's got to be intentional. The next week, we're going to talk about uh, how, to, how to make it a strategy. How many like strategies? Give me my next A to B. I want to figure out how to go. I'm gonna, and those of you that don't like strategy, you really need to hear this next week, all right? Because you need strategy in your life. Speaking of strategy, I want the team to come up, and I want to talk a little bit about our legacy fund. Uh, when you came in today, these were on your seats, and uh, I, w- I want to talk about them. If you take one out, just grab that. Everybody take one out. Now, look, last week, uh, last week you were here, and we had these, and many of you grabbed them. There were some, there were some misprints on there, and so we've got a whole new batch here. They didn't cut them correctly, all right? Still can't get it right. But that's your homework. When you get home, you're going to cut them correctly, all right? See, there you go. We want you to be a part of building the legacy. We're not going to do all the work for you, all right? I probably shouldn't have said anything. Now you're all looking. Is that even? I don't know. I want you to take that. So for, for several years, we've had what we've called our vision fund. And our overseers have felt led that we're going to be talking about leaving a legacy, and now we're calling this our legacy fund. Every dime that goes into this is going to be helping us build the legacy that God has for us. And a cornerstone of the legacy that we're building is the building that God's given us. You hear what I'm saying? We're going to do a lot more with our legacy fund, but a cornerstone of us building the legacy that God's given us is the building that God has given us. Uh, Let me show you some pictures. The last two weeks have been full-on architectural demo where we're actually going in and we're tearing everything off the walls. We're ripping up tile. We're tearing out all kind of stuff. Just, it's been crazy to see. What all do you have? Keep them going. Look at that. Just a lot of work. Keep them going. Is that it? That's all you got? That's it? All right. We need to add some more for the next service. I got some. Good one. Uh, And so architectural demo is about us tearing things apart to really see what we got to work with. And what we're finding out is we got a lot of work to do. That's what we're finding out. And uh, there's been some added costs that we didn't know were going to be there. Uh, But I haven't been frightened one bit at all. I should be. I should be really anxious. But I'm not because the Lord has given us this building and he's going to take care of it. Amen? But it's going to take all of us being generous. It's going to take all of us being a generous. Everybody. Last week, we introduced this legacy fund to you. And these are 
These cards at some point are going to be pledge cards. But as we told you last week, for the next few weeks, we're going to ask them to become prayer cards for you. Pledge cards one day, but today they're prayer cards. I want every single person to be taking these home with you. I don't want you to fill it out. I want you just to, like I said last week, I want you to get your fingerprints on it. Get some spaghetti sauce on it, okay? Have it there when you're eating. Have it at your table. Uh, Get some anointing oil on it. Whatever you do, however you roll, let this be a part of your prayer. We show back up in a few weeks and we're handing these in with our our pledges and it's going to be a three-year pledge and we're believing that God's going to perform miracles through this. And we're going to be telling you over the next several weeks what it is that we need, what we want, and what would be a miracle. And I'm already praying for a miracle. I'm believing we're going to move into that thing with no debt at all. Just go. I'm, I'm praying for that and believing. How many would love to see that? And so the prayer is twofold, okay? The prayer is twofold. One, praying what you and your family are going to do to be a part of our legacy fund. What are you going to do to build a place that our kids have a, an, a place to grow, that our youth have a place on Wednesday nights? That, what are you going to do to be a part of that? Where your friends get to come to be a part of of abundant life. So praying for that. And I want you to ask God to speak to you. Listen to me. I want you to ask God to speak to you. Let Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. All right? And then the second thing I want you to help me pray is that God will move on the hearts of folks to do what God has called them to do. There are givers in our church, there are givers in this city that do not even know that they're givers yet. And I'm believing that God's going to move on the hearts of people that may never even walk in our church. They may not even live in Tennessee, but God's going to move on them to be a part of what God is doing here in this city. So twofold, we're praying. We're praying, God, speak to us what we're supposed to do. And God, move on the hearts of those folks that could really help move this thing way down the road. All right? Hold your card up. Everybody holding one up. Yours is already dirty. That's awesome. You did good. Hold it up. I'm going to do that. So turn around so you can see that legacy part. I like that. Let's look at the legacy part. Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of your story. And we get to be a part of building a legacy. I thank you, God, for what you've done in our church the past seven years. God, we have seen so many miracles. We have seen so many miracles. Come on, those that have been with us, you know. Amen. We have seen you move so many times. We are a blessed church. And now, God, I'm praying that you would do what you do so well. You would speak to hearts. You would move on us. Help us to know what you want us to do, God, as a family, as a church family. And, God, I also pray that you will move on the hearts of those people, God, that have the means to do something incredible. I pray you begin to move on their heart, Jesus. Speak to them now. Let them be moved and compelled to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing in this city. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Close your eyes real quick. No one looking around. When I was speaking today about the generosity of the gospel of grace, did that hit you today? I mean, the gospel is all about generosity. Did that hit you? Did you see it in a new light? 
Does that make you want to do something today? Does that make you, does that compel you to do something? I hope it moves you to make a fresh start with Jesus today. A fresh start with him. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, we give people an opportunity every Sunday to do so. If you want to make Jesus your Lord, if maybe when you thought about God, you've always thought about this harsh person, this judgmental being. But suddenly we talked about the lavish love of God being shed for you and something changed in your heart. Or maybe you would consider yourself a believer, but you're ready today to dive into the generous grace of Jesus Christ and just swim in his mercy. If that's you today, you want to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand? If that's you this morning, I'm ready to move into a generous, thank you right there. Right back there, both of you. I see you. That's awesome. Thank you. Come on, anyone else today? Raising your hand. I want to be a part of the generous grace of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. All right, open your eyes and let's all stand today. Come on. Let's all stand. Come on, aren't you glad your neighbor came to church today? Tell them. I'm glad you came to church today. I love sitting by you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart today. Forgive me of doing things my way. Today, I dive into your grace, into your generosity. Make me a giver. I want to be like you. Cover me with your blood today, Jesus. I confess that you're my Lord and Savior. Save me from myself. I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come on, not just a little overflowing. I want everything you have for me. Help me to live an overcoming. Come on, everybody. Abundant and everlasting life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.